Disclaimer, we are not licensed professionals. The conversations we have about our mental health and well-being come from our own personal experiences. We hope these open conversations will encourage our audience to take notice and ownership of their own mental and emotional well-being. And maybe, just maybe, provide some cathartic laughs along the way. All right, everyone, welcome back. Excuse us for our little delay, but you know, the holidays came up and we just had to do our own thing in the meantime, but we are back with part two of RA Life. Let's get into it. (laughs) All right, so I asked a few of old RAs or like people on my social media to tell a few stories of like when they were RAs and we got some interesting ones for sure. And some other people just wanted us to touch on certain topics, so we will certainly get there. All right, the first story we got was, it is really long, but I'm just going to summarize it. So Inari contacted me and said that they shared a wall or their neighbor was a triple of three guys. And they had a lot of issues. Uh, so they were all wealthy white guys, but they just didn't get along. And one of the guys requested to leave the room and got accepted. So he was going to move out of the room, but because he hated his roommate so much, this man decided to like vandalize a room. What did he do? He grabbed protein shakes and dumped it everywhere. He spat in his roommate's clothing and around the room. He grabbed a banana and put it under the sheets of one of his roommates. So when his roommate sat down, he would like just smush the banana in the bed. Very weird thing to do. And finally, one of the roommates is like deathly allergic to peanuts. So this man grabs forks and knives with peanut butter on them, sticks them on the wall, and just sticks the entire room with peanut butter. And long story short, because the University of Oregon being the University of Oregon, nothing happened to this guy, even though if you ask me, I think he'd like try to commit murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he's fine. They moved out. And that was just a mess. Man. I, I mean, nothing warrants that type of behavior. But at the same time, what type of monster sits there and is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put a nasty old banana underneath your sheets. Like, <laughs> where... Where do you go mentally to get to that point? Like, I can't, like, <laughs> I think the only thing that would cross my mind, and you'd have to piss me off, is like, I might clean, like, the dusty corners with your toothbrush and leave it there. But you said, let me take this brown banana, and I'm going to put it in the sheets, okay? <laughs> and so when you sit down, it's banana. <laughs> I have to give props for that only because that's a different level. I guess I just don't think on that level. (laughs) And I'm curious and I'd like to know more. (laughs) Where's that person today? (laughs) Who knows? Like, I really don't know, but interesting. The whole peanut butter thing. Why stick it to the wall? (laughs) I, no, 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 no. It's like, this might get dark real quick, but obviously this person was upset enough to risk this person life but not ready to take it there like put in their toothbrush and peanut butter like i put it on the walls with all these forks and not like 
they they really told that line but also didn't because they definitely crossed it i don't know i don't know what that entire situation was but it was like did you want to make them sweat was it like oh what else like was it was it one of those things where you're like and you'll never know what else i did <laughs> like Probably. and there's peanut butter on the walls but you don't know where else <laughs> That's weird. I don't, I'm not really allergic to anything like that, but ooh, scary. All right. Story number two came, and again, summarizing because these are very long and we would be here all day. <laughs> two people were on call and they were doing rounds. Sounds like it was during the weekend. And during the weekend, you have to do three rounds, which is you have to go through the entire building three times. Once before midnight and twice after midnight, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So... It's a, it comes to a point where these two RAs are on their second round and they notice that there is a huge party going out and a guy comes out and is very much under the influence, cannot even walk. So they're trying to assess him, get, get to see if he's okay. And they approach him and of course, conflict. He doesn't want to be approached. He wants to be left alone. But it sounded like this man was not even able to walk. So what do they do is they call pro staff and to listeners that don't know who pro staff is, it's like our bosses or like the supervisors that are like, whenever there's a big emergency, we call them if we don't know what to do or blah, blah, blah. So they call pro staff and they're like, what do we do? This guy needs to get helped, but he doesn't want to get helped. So the person, the pro staff is like, oh, just stay with them, call the police so they can come assess this man. But when ULPD is on their way. This man decides, oh wait, before that, he asked one of the RAs if he could have sex with her. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Of course, no, of course, of course, of course that's in the story. Continue, of course. She obviously declines and he keeps insisting, but she keeps saying no. And since she says she didn't want to have sex with him and ULPD is on its way. This man that couldn't really walk just runs. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. I see like I'm imagining like him just like kind of throwing himself down the hall trying to escape. <laughs> like mentally, he's like, "You want to see some speed? I'll show you some real speed." But his limbs aren't following, <laughs> and so you're just watching this man look like he's being dragged by an invisible string. <laughs> All right, so they don't know what to do. The RAs is called pro staff again, and the person on call tells them to chase him which for y'all that don't know one of the rules that we get taught while we're in RA training is don't follow someone if they decide to run away just let them go but for some reason this pro staffer said go chase him down so they go chase him down and as they're chasing after him they see that two people are passed out in front of guess what building LLC so (laughs) One of the RAs has to take care of the two passed out people and pro staff is still telling the other person to chase after this guy. So one person is dealing with this and the other, the other RA is running after this resident and soon uh, ULPD like joins this RA and like ULPD and this RA are chasing this man. And according to the story that I was sent, they chase this man down to 
fifth and fifteenth and agate, which <laughs> is for y'all that don't really know, it's kind of far <laughs> from uh, the building. I'm just here. I hear the soundtrack like bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> what you gonna do? <laughs> just <laughs> this time on cops. <laughs> I guess they did, like, catch him in 50 and Agate. Uh, that part is unclear. But after all of that, the RA still had to continue doing another round. They had to finish their second round. They had to do another round. They had to do lockouts, a bunch of other uh, write-outs. And it seems like they weren't done until, like, 4.30 in the morning. And this poor RA had class the next day at 9 a.m. So props to you. Mm. We all been there. We all been at that point where some crazy stuff happened the night before and you got to figure out a way to tell your professor. So I got some stories, which features. So the story I'm going to say or like the things I'm going to say are definitely going to earn me some texts and some phone calls from some people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's going to have the same energy as like a concerning tweet where people hit you up afterwards. So in the previous episode, I mentioned someone by the name of, I'm going to give them their full government because y'all need to know, Miles Lee Marrow, okay? <laughs> this, this man was a pro staff when we were RAs. And I'll describe the type of person they were. When I first met them, that man was a presence that you forgot about and then you remembered. Like that man was quiet. He didn't speak, but when he spoke, he talked <laughs> very slowly. <laughs> he was almost poetic with his words. And this is how this man talked. So, you were either one person who was sitting, like you were either sitting on the edge of your seat, like listening to him because you found his, his statements moving, or you were me sitting on the edge of your seat trying to be like, hurry up, what? <laughs> why is this sentence taking so long? It's <laughs> a compound sentence. <laughs> and he was also very removed from the group. He didn't really talk to any of his coworkers. He just kind of stood off to the side and people who knew him and were tight with him like that could talk to him, but otherwise he didn't talk to anyone. So that created like almost like a cult of personality. You had all these pick-me's wanting to be, like befriend Miles. Wait, but pick-me, sorry, don't interrupt, are also white people. Yeah. Because Miles, I feel I like was really tight with POC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was a black man from Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, like, the pick-me's really wanted in. They were like, what must I do? <laughs> and so, but however, if you're one of those POC and Miles is just cool as a cucumber, vibing, just doing his own thing, not really talking to anybody, there would be moments where all of a sudden he would share too much or just out of pocket. <laughs> yeah. Where he would just be like, I find her irritating as hell. And you're like, what? Who? What? <laughs> Where did this come from? We were sitting in silence. I wasn't even looking at you. <laughs> and so towards my senior year, my last year, I became one of these people who Miles would talk to 
I have no idea why I, to this day, like to think back about when we first became close, there was never a point. We just all the start. He would all start and start yelling for me across campus being like, Breeze! And I'm like, sir. <laughs> but anyway, we were at training or the, like the low orientation camp that we do before the beginning of the year. And it's like a bonfire night. You got people playing sports in the dark, like fools. I don't, those people were always strange. They're like, let's go play basketball when there's no light outside. I'm like, you do you. I'm sitting there minding my business, sitting down. Miles Lee Merrill pops up like a phantom in the night with his little Southern accent and his little, oh my gosh. He frustrated me with his sentences because I really be sitting there like, oh my gosh. My mind is going a mile a minute and you, I'm still waiting for you to <laughs> pick your next word. <laughs> and so he starts telling us about his crazy experiences as just like a pro staff CD type of person. And I remember the one he told me about, he was doing rounds in a building, checking, and there was a, I don't know if it was used, but there was an open condom on the light switch. Okay. Mind you, this is a Southern black man from Virginia. Okay. The loner type. Okay. Very calm, cool, and collected. This man rounded up the building, <laughs> like <laughs> rounded people up. And he was like, I'm going to give y'all 10 minutes to clean up. I'm going to leave. And this better be gone by the time I get back because I don't do nasty <laughs> and the, how he said it to me he was like because miles don't do nasty <laughs> <laughs> referred to himself as a third person but he came back the condom was gone mm -hmm. but it became a thing of legend mm -hmm. like those who were there knew they were like yo miles don't play there's also been a couple of times where people talk about the legendary bonnet now once again i'll say this is a southern black man from Virginia. <laughs> and so when it came time to go to sleep, he wrapped his hair up as any black man from Virginia would do in a bonnet. <laughs> and that would be it. But there've been a couple of situations in which he had to leave his apartment in said bonnet. And let's just say he was not happy. <laughs> and I just remember people being like, yo, you remember that time Miles came out? He was in his bonnet. He was yelling. Miles, had, I've never heard Miles yell. I, very few people have heard this man yell. Like, I feel like there are three emotions very few people have seen this man show. True happiness. <laughs> Anger and sadness like you have like man really said you'll never know how i feel yeah he was just like blank slate so when we heard the legend of like miles yelling we're like oh my gosh i wish i had been there like what 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 was it what what sent him over the edge yeah. to this day i do not know i don't think i'll ever know but i have to say that man's a scorpio he is he is a scorpio explains a lot he has the same birthday as my brother same age as one of my other brothers and i tell you this 
my knowledge of Scorpio men, I like to imagine that one of them pick me's was forever changed that night. <laughs> like, never the same. Yeah. Never the same. And that's Miles Lee Marrow. I think about him to this day. <laughs> Just specifically wondering how he's doing with this pandemic and all these folks who refuse to wear masks mm-hmm. and just be dirty. Because once again, Miles don't do nasty. You know, I haven't, I didn't even think about this whole pandemic and Miles situation because Miles was my boss for a year. And I mean, he was there the entire time I was there, but he was my direct supervisor for a year. And Miles did not like when things were unorganized. I never went into like, his apartment because our boss they live in the same building as ra's but he like refused to let anyone in but you hear the rumors and i know this man was clean like to the t like super i went into his apartment you did yes is it just like as i imagine it when i tell you this okay this is this is going to be the comment that's going to get me the phone calls the text messages okay i was infatuated with that man (laughs) that man spoke to my heart and soul like he was for me like this i was like he is black love Mm -hmm. when it was my first years in ra my coworkers used to call him my work bae (laughs) i was just like who is he i want to know more he's just so powerful Mm -hmm. so yes i was attracted to miles it's okay who was it I know who wasn't, but yes. And so one day my friend Jennifer and I somehow were selected, permitted to enter his humble abode. Mm -hmm. When I say I entered that apartment and fell more in love, like (laughs) I felt like an insert your name type of fan fiction. Oh my God. (laughs) I walk in, he's got his shoes in line. Mm-hmm. Carpet is pristine, clean, interior <laughs> decoration skills, magnificent, immaculate. I have never seen such beauty. He had like the literature. I was looking at the titles of his books and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. This man was giving me young Malcolm X, King vibes. Everything organized. That man was in the process of deep cleaning. That's the only reason he let us in. He was like, it's okay, I'm about to shampoo the carpet anyway. (laughs) I was like, okay. He had plants, he had greenery, he had a sound bar, he was playing music, he had all this nice furniture. He made this place, I was like, damn, what is this? Like, we we in Pinterest? Mm-hmm. Like that man, like his, we also let us see his bathroom. When I tell you these little TikTok kids and their DIY home decor, nothing on Miles Lee Marrow, nothing on that man, nothing. Mm-hmm. And another fun fact about him, because sometimes he has moments of just oversharing, which I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm taken aback. <laughs> yeah. One of the things he was telling me about, he's a very picky eater. I want to, so this man is a Scorpio, okay? Mm-hmm. He's a, 
a guy, he's obsessed with cleanliness and organization. He's a picky eater in the sense that the only thing he eats with his food, the only condiment he uses is hot sauce. Okay. Which one? Any of them. Anything okay. spicy. He does not use ketchup. He does not use mayo. He does not use regular mustard. I believe he uses spicy brown mustard. He, he's like, he's like, I don't do any white sauces. I don't. <laughs> he's also, he's sadly one of these men. I don't eat vegetables. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he says things that make you wonder, like, this is why you don't meet your heroes, kids. <laughs> and I'd be like, mm, I love you a little less. I respect you a little less. <laughs> that was Miles Lee Merrow. He would say some of the most out-of-pocket, truthful stuff. I will never forget for his for the my last year as an RA for his introduction slideshow, he proceeded to shame white people. <laughs> he used his he used his slideshow to proceed to say to all of the white people in the audience why he doesn't like them and why he never will. <laughs> oh, mild. Legendary. I was like, here you go, King. You drop this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember him really well. Uh, he was hilarious. He, he hated white people and he was not shy about telling anyone. I know. I know. He... He, we went to a predominantly white institution, okay? Yeah. Yeah. When I say he, he spoke for a lot of the POC in ways that I don't ever think I'll feel comfortable speaking on because almost every place I exist in is predominantly white and I ain't trying to get snatched up. Yeah. But he just did it and you'd hear everyone in the background like, yes, queen, you tell him. <laughs> Yeah, he for sure knew his privilege as a man mm-hmm. and like used it for to like advocate for POC and for women. So mm-hmm. shout out to that man. I hope he's doing well. I hope he's doing well. I hope he never listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think what I really appreciate about Miles is that he really helped me with deal with my imposter syndrome that I was mm-hmm. like feeling it really heavy at one point. So that was really nice. Oh, man. Oh, that man, that man. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> oh, I have a, another like memory that just came back to me. Okay. Um, when I was thinking about that story in which that person wanted to have sex with the RA. Yeah. RAs were having sex with residents. And it, yeah. it, it really just did my head in because one, okay, you weren't always 100% sure if those children were of age. <laughs> These RA resident relationships, which weren't supposed to happen, by the way. Yeah. But when I think about how they happen and like there's a chance you had a 17-year-old who hasn't turned 18 yet. But on top of that, I never understood the interest because when I say... My first year as an RA, I was a year, maybe months older than these kids, but I felt that age difference. Yes. I felt it. I was like, ooh, child. Anyways, um, how old are you again? Like, the mentality, the maturity, like, all of that. I was like, and they're my peers. 
some older than me who want that what's wrong with you i still i personally still maintain the attitude of why don't people your own age want you yeah i I maintain that energy Mm -hmm. like something wrong with you because there'd be like it's also another thing too where it's a power dynamic where you're supposed to meet with your ra and if you're if you're me you have moments where sometimes residents come to you in tears distraught going through stuff and imagine if i would like slid in there and was like hey but what's your snap like and then on top of that like we're kind of policing (laughs) y'all yeah like you ain't supposed to do this like there are certain things you say to me and i'll be like oh that's a red flag i might have to report this like that was one of those things where like even friendships with residents while you were still in that relationship was kind of weird because they want to get close to you and then but that sign on my door says mandatory reporter yeah i'm essentially recording this (laughs) yeah i never had the want or the feeling of being friends with any of my residents or like i got close to like a few but it was afterwards like after they were like not my residents anymore but like the relationship with residents never one inappropriate two could be abuse of power three i'm just not interested in white men and four i don't date men that are younger than me so there's that oh she said none of that cougar stuff from me Like, even if it's, like, a few months younger than me, even then, I'm like, ooh. Uh, for me, it was it had a lot to do with, one, I was in a relationship for most of the time. But two, these were, <laughs> for me, these were, like, I really felt like I was on some Nicki Minaj level stuff. Of like, y'all my sons. <laughs> like, yeah. those were my children. I raised y'all. <laughs> no, yeah, I would call them my kids all the time. So, it yeah. was weird if anything were it would really be and it would oh like my my second year as an RA my code Jennifer um it really felt like these are our sons yeah. like this is mine this is yours or if they did something crazy we distance ourselves and be like whose kid is that <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it really was a family union I'm still unpacking a lot of stuff that I went through as an RA, I still, I still get flashbacks when I hear the phone ring at weird hours. Oh, uh, whenever someone has like that one specific ringtone, all the RAs had to respond to. I'm just like, I jump. I'm like, why would you have that on your phone? You know. Mm-hmm. Or I think about like there are certain situations where. <laughs> Side note. My mother and I were trying to help this person who was outside in like negative 30 degree weather and who my mother is, she was going to help them. This person was obviously having like a, an episode and I was like, do not let this person in the car, let this person in this car. Like, where would you like to go? They asked us to go to Duluth, which is three hours from where I live. And we're like, um, no. They're like, okay, can you take me to police station? Mom was like, yes, I can do that. Take old girl to the police station. She goes in, is like banging on the door trying to get the police come out they come out they start walking to the car my mom is on i'm on the phone with 911 being like hey we just dropped this girl off we don't we don't know if she's safe blah 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 another cop car pulls up behind us okay they come to my mom's window and tell her yeah this woman just this girl just told the officer inside that y'all kidnapped her what 
Oh, what? <laughs> when was this? Oh, this was sometime December. I remember, I don't know who I thought I was. In that moment, I forgot my, the melanin. I forgot who I was. I forgot how uncomfortable I was around the police. And I slipped into RA mode. <laughs> oh my. And I was like, mom, let me handle this. All right, so this is the situation. We found this resident walking. <laughs> and I was like, and then afterwards, my mom was like, I'm never helping another person again. Like, oh my gosh. I was just worried that she was going to be cold because she was just walking around with like really no clothes on and we were just trying to take her somewhere safe. And I'm over here like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that was the craziest thing. Cause I was like, I was immediately like, one was like, oh, we should call pro staff. I mean, we should call the police. <laughs> My mom's over here freaking out, not too sure what to do. And I'm over here being like, calm down, mom. I do this all the time when I was I an know. RA. <laughs> Sometimes it'd be giving me confidence that is like earned, but also unearned. Like even, even when I have angry guests at work, mm-hmm. I, I'll do like the ABCs of like, hello, I am here. I'm here to help with this issue. This issue is because of this. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> you know what? I never really thought about it, but I like go into RA mode too with like when it comes to like conflict at job or wherever it is. And I didn't really, I just thought I did that, but I guess RA training helped. I guess it worked. Yeah. My sister began upset with me because when she's like heated or there's something going on and she's in her emotions, I'll go into RA mode. Yeah. And she's like, don't try and RA me right now. <laughs> <laughs> will we close the door on this chapter of our life no because as we say it keeps seeping into our present <laughs> minding your business and all of a sudden be like are we on call <laughs> oh my <laughs> that just reminded me of working at the restaurant <laughs> there's been times where i pick up the phone and i'm like are you on call I'm like oh sorry 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 yeah this is the restaurant <laughs> <laughs> I just been so conditioned to every time the phone rings, I'm like, Ariane, call. All right, I know we talked a lot of the negatives of being an RA, but there are some positives I would like us to talk about. So, Breezy, do you have any positives or any good outtakes of what being an RA was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it comes to being an RA and thinking about it, it's so it's so easy to get into all the things that were awful because it makes your blood rush it makes you laugh or just gets you so heated that you can't let go but when I thought about this and like people who either were RAs after me and were like I don't know if I could do this the one thing I did realize about my RA experience was it was it was that pressure that made diamonds I considered myself a good RA just being an RA made me a better person because it forced me to one in just training confront my own biases we really are in a role like 24 7 it's not like you go to work do your thing and then just clock off go home and just stop thinking about it like you live where you work so you have to mm-hmm. learn how to navigate those spaces the best way possible and yeah being already was stressful sometimes you know it just didn't feel welcome or there were just a lot of problems, a lot of stress, a lot of crying. I would be lying if I said my residents didn't make me cry a few times. But at the end of the day, I learned a lot. And also, I made a lot of friends because of mm-hmm. RAs. Like, Breezy and I, like us, like we became friends because of RA and meaning through RA training. Like, I also met 
like my best friend Kat because we were RAs in the same building we were the only Latinas in the entire team so mm -hmm. like we instantly bonded yeah like your point with the whole you're in a role 24 7 I think the most interesting thing about the the break between good RAs and bad RAs is I feel like at some point it wasn't a role anymore it was who fundamentally who I was I think yeah I think the RA role it found a part of me that already was there like this paternal part this caring empathetic part of me and nourished it and taught me how to how to use that in the real world with people it wasn't just a oh there's like part of me that like I get secondhand embarrassment when I see bad things happen to people or like I cry when other people are crying. It, it taught me how to take those emotions and those feelings, put them to use to better myself and others. I also think RAing is the best thing to happen to a friendship, in my opinion. You get to see your friends all the time, live in the same building, eat together, but you also get breaks from them. And it wasn't something that was, you know, felt forced like high school. It felt like one of those cheesy teen movies where they all bond at summer camp. But summer yeah. camp is for an entire year with a whole bunch of shenanigans. And you really do become better people. Once you've been in RA, you've kind of got all of corporate America down. <laughs> You're going to know how to interact with the bullies of the floor. With the shy, quiet kids of the floor. You're going to know how to like interact with a supervisor, how to get, how to handle the chain of command. Like, you have to do all of that. And so you're looking for a job and it says you were RA. Congratulations. You're hired. All right. Now I want to ask or put out there our own personal experience of being an RA, like as a black woman, like me as a Latina woman. So. Mm -hmm. what did you have to say on that part we both we went to a pwi predominantly white institution being put in a position of power even something as small as an ra you had influence you had respect and you had representation that was not found anywhere else on campus and even though you weren't the dean of the school or the president and it didn't change the fact that it was you and 500 POC on campus, you kind of got to create this little environment of acceptance and like restorative justice. I think that was one of the things I took away from my experience. You worded it very nicely. And another reality, being a woman of color uh, in an RA, role in a predominantly white institution was the feeling of being uncomfortable mm -hmm. because you know sometimes you just couldn't I felt like I couldn't really be a hundred percent myself because sometimes I just avoided residence when I was like off the clock because I just wanted to be me but I felt like I couldn't a hundred percent be me because everyone around me was white mm -hmm. even though I was older in a position of power and I just went to my room and just wanted to exist in my room by myself. The one thing that was the saddest thing about being a person of color in those spaces was 
I would find myself naturally falling into the position of like Beyonce pre-lemonade. Like there's an SNL skit where they're like, Beyonce's black? (laughs) Where code switching and whatnot and trying to be inoffensive at a predominantly white institution, my, my turtle shell armor is to be as unthreatening, unintimidating, almost like neutral, just not black as possible because it's going to make people feel uncomfortable. Like yeah. the music I would blast out loud. Yeah. There would become a point where I was like, uh-huh, y'all don't know nothing about this type <laughs> of rebellion. But I would find that sometimes my residents, like I would say something or I'd have an opinion and it would shock my residents. Yeah. Like, oh, you think about these things? Or like, oh, that's how you feel? And it's like, hmm that whole it's almost like a natural defense mechanism it's not natural it's definitely forced by society but to kind of downplay your culture and who you are so as to make white people feel comfortable yeah junior and senior year i started to learn more about that and be like i don't care (laughs) Mm -hmm. like i've been uncomfortable every single day of my life you can be uncomfortable once yeah or you can be uncomfortable every time you see me (laughs) that's fine yeah unfortunately i am guilty of that too just trying to change myself to make the white people more comfortable Mm -hmm. because siendo mexicana me being mexican i i love banda i love listening to music in spanish and sometimes i would just whenever i felt that i wanted to listen to that type of music i would like lower the volume Mm -hmm. because i was like oh they're gonna think whatever which honestly does it matter what they think this is my space too you know mm-hmm. so if they want to feel weird because i'm playing corridos or whatever i'm listening to like it's fine yeah i my favorite thing about being an rn it just reminded me of this my absolute favorite thing was being able to find the only person of color on my floor the only black person on my floor and have like a moment where you'd be like they doing some of that white shit again and we just like look at each other mm-hmm. or it'd be like uh they walk past my door my door would be open and i'd be blasting music and they'd be like hey mm-hmm. <laughs> and just i know that whatever expression of myself my culture like any of that that i did feel comfortable putting out made other people happy it made other people feel like one and i love this i love excluding white folk i love it <laughs> i love having like um like here check in with the bouncer do you know the secret handshake type of inside jokes with people that are cultural notes that are like yo if you grew up in this culture if you grew around these people you know so either playing songs from movies that I knew they knew or watching movies that I knew they'd seen that everyone else is like, what is this? But those Mm -hmm. who are in the know, know. Mm -hmm. I lived for those moments. I think I had a couple, oh yeah. When I was a rack, I had my RAs for movie night watch Undercover Brother. Mm -hmm. All of my black RAs knew what it was. Mm -hmm. Everyone else had no clue. And they're like, what is this? And I was like, this is black cinema this is a cultural note it came out in 2001 y'all don't know nothing about this and it just it felt it felt like in that moment I, I connected to people and I I demanded the space that w- would never have been given to us yeah and I was only able to do that because I was in a position of power all right so 
since we are retired RAs, we're not going back to those undergrad moments. But what is some advice you would like to give people that want to be RAs or people that are RAs now? One thing that I, I think is really important, boundaries are only lines in the sand, okay? They have no force. They have no matter. They are nothing. They're a line in the sand. They're two-dimensional at best. You are the enforcement. You are the warning flashing sign. You are about to cross a boundary. If you're uncomfortable confrontation, that's, that's okay. You have to learn, but you have to stand up for your boundaries. Because even if you say them, even if you do things like put a sign on your door that says, do not knock after this hour, people are going to cross that boundary. And it's up to you to remind them, put them in their place. I think that is really important as like an incoming returning RA. You got you to gotta walk the walk or walk the talk, whatever, however that one goes. You got to back it up, okay? Is it fast yeah. enough? <laughs> You gotta, you gotta work that thing. You gotta run your mouth and then have your hands at the ready. Yeah. I think some advice I would give is all your residents don't have to like you. Mm -hmm. I think a big mistake I made is like trying so hard to make these white residents like me. Mm -hmm. And they're, a lot of them are not going to like you just because you exist. A lot of them are just going to like you just because you're an RA and they have this like preconceived notion that you're like their number one enemy. So don't spend so much energy trying to make them like you because if they don't want to like you, that's fine. They don't have to. You're just there to do your job. Mm -hmm. So don't go bending backwards just to like please people that don't need to be pleased. Like you're there to do a job and you're there to make them safe. Oh, that brings me to one, just to add to that. Yeah, you're going to learn real quick, or I learned real quick, is you're going to be playing a guess why they hate me kind of game. Is it my gender? Is it my sexuality? Is it my skin color? Is it like, what? why do you hate me? And people will hate you and dislike you for the craziest of things. Another thing, another piece of advice that I really think is very important and this is more on the materialistic capitalist side. I apologize in <laughs> advance. But invest in your space. Not necessarily money and such like that. But do whatever you can to make it comfortable. As an RA, that's one of the perks that you'll get is they'll provide housing or something along the line of that. And because as an RA, you're required to stay on campus for a certain amount of days or time in the day, really know that that place is going to be both your sanctuary and a prison. Any other more not so serious advice I think is get a futon. I think a futon. <laughs> Steal it, buy it, whatever you build it, whatever you need to do. <laughs> yeah, get a mattress pad. I didn't have one because I thought I never needed one, but I was there for four years. I really wish I had a mattress pad. Yeah, <laughs> your back is begging. <laughs> what is, I'm misquoting this, but this, this is from Miles Lee Merrill himself, mm -hmm. which is know your price. Know and name your price. You know, oftentimes people are put in the RA position because of a financial need. It puts people in a mental state of trying to tough their way through 
almost like bullying and just disregard and disrespect because they need the money, but know your worth and know the price you're willing to pay. The RA job is not for everyone. Please do not feel like you have to tough it out and make yourself miserable. Know when it's your time to go and go confidently. And lastly, a mantra of mine, fake it till you make it. Yeah. Be open and confident with people because a lot of people kind of go in high school mentality, a lot of shame, intimidation, and fear. Fake it till you make it. You can easily create an environment of openness and just lack of fear by pretending you're open and you have no fear. Even if you are not that open and you do have fear, like if you just pretend, nine times out of 10, they'll start to follow along. Just make it a safe environment overall and put your boundaries and also RAs, respect your kids' boundaries. Yeah. I know this was a lot of information or points, but just as we have this conversation and everything like that, I really appreciate it because it is always good to end thinking about all the stuff Mm -hmm. you gained, all the stuff that bettered you, and all of the things that bettered others in the RA experience. Yeah, so... I want to thank y'all for joining us in this episode of Being RA. It was really a roller coaster. We talked about so much, I think, and I feel like there's a lot more that we could have talked about, but we might mention it a few stories here and there in later episodes because, you know, Being RA was part of three years of our college experience. We were in the dorms for four years, so it's a big part of who we were in college. So it will come up eventually again. So no worries if you want more stories. Just got to stay tuned. But thank you so much for joining us this episode and we will see y'all next week. So Breezy, any anything to plug before we leave? Feel free to follow me on the twitter.com. That is at Libra Thugga. That is L-I-B-R-A-T-H-U-G-G-A. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's T-O-R-R underscore R-R-E-S-1. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it is Andy underscore Taurus H-U. This has been Therapy Check. Thank you so much. And we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye.